One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If there wasn't a global pandemic going on, would Ricky Gervais ever have agreed to be on this podcast? We may never know. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and on today's episode of The Last Laugh, I talk to the comedic mind behind The Office, Extras, and most recently, Afterlife. As Ricky tells me on this week's show from his home in London, he's been more available than ever during quarantine, mostly because he doesn't have to leave the house or put on actual pants. He just has to sit in his trophy-filled office and talk. And as always, he has a lot to say. Ricky and I get into all of the thorny issues he loves to talk about, including political correctness in comedy, and the Caitlyn Jenner jokes that almost got him canceled a few years back. All of these ideas are present in Afterlife, his surprisingly moving Netflix series that just got picked up for a third season. Ricky didn't set out to make a show about grief. He just wanted to tell a story about a guy who stopped caring about what people thought of him. He ended up with the character of Tony, who starts saying whatever he wants to complete strangers after his wife dies of cancer. Come here. Good girl. Your dog should be on a lead. What? Dog should be on a lead. Can't you read? The park's for everyone. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Come here, girl. Come here. <gasps> what? He is not a fat, hairy, nosy cocksucker. Bad girl, Brandy. Sorry about that. Disgusting. See you later. That is just the tip of the iceberg. Before we get to our conversation, if you're enjoying this show, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have ideas for guests you want to hear in the show or questions you want me to ask comedians, they just might end up in a future episode. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. Now, let's hear me and Ricky Gervais. Does that sound okay? Hold on. I might go sound a bit closer. There, if I project. and It's not yeah. too echoey either, is it? That's all right. No, it sounds pretty good. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. How's your how's your day been? You're, I feel like you're you're ending your day while I'm starting my day in in Los Angeles. So, oh, of course, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been good. Been a nice day. I've, we're we've gone for our our long walk. I have a little job, played badminton, mm-hmm. potted around, did a bit of work. The work, the work, <laughs> the work was about twenty eight minutes worth of actual <laughs> writing. Yeah, are um, you finding it hard to be productive uh, during this time? Well, uh, I'm. I'm not actually. I'm not finding it hard to be as productive as I usually am, mm-hmm. which is you know, because <laughs> I, I look at. I usually have more than one thing on the go, and I never give myself scary deadlines. You know, um, uh, so I know that I've got. I've got a year to write this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you work that out, you know, it's a couple of pages a day. And um, 
if I do a scene, if I sort of write a scene, mm-hmm. right, I think, well, that would take me that would take me a day to film that. So I've done a day's work. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, you're working on season three of, uh, of Afterlife, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'd, uh, I'd already had a, a few ideas and I wanted to do a third season, mm-hmm. but as I said, uh, I was, I wasn't going to do an unwanted encore. I don't, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it for the sake of it. And I don't want, I wouldn't want Netflix to do it just cause it was, you know, um, I, I suppose paying for itself. I wanted it to be a, you know, uh, a demanded for encore. Um, and, uh, and it, it was apparently they, they, they called me end of week one and said, really? right, yeah, we've got to do a third. They even said that's rare that they do that. Um, mm-hmm. They did it with the second season as well. So, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's how you know it's done okay because they invite you to do it again. Um, uh, but uh, I also had to know that I could do a third because you sort of put everything into, uh, you know, season one in case that was it, in case I get hit by a bus. That could have ended there. And then you do season two and you burn bridges, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to create the drama. You burn some bridges. Um, so it's all, it, it, it sort of gets harder and harder. Uh, but trying harder makes it better too. So there's that. I, I sort of like that pressure that you've got. It, it, it's really weird because after season one, mm-hmm. it went down really well. And some people, as a compliment, on Twitter were saying things like, why are you doing season two? It was season <laughs> that one. That was perfect. Was Just leave it alone. And I think, well, that's very nice, but mm-hmm. it is my job. You can't yeah. just say, okay, retire. <laughs> retire now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but a season three is, is very rare for you, right? I mean, you've always done basically two two kind of short seasons of things. That's kind of what you're what you're known for, starting with The yeah. Office, right? I think the reason why I broke the rules this time, there's lots of reasons, but the one big reason is um, I haven't explored all the characters and I've got more lead characters in this than any other show I've done. Mm-hmm. Usually there's one or two or three that you could call lead characters. And here there's about, there's about six or seven that could have their own spin-off that we've just seen bits of, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I suppose I see it like a tambourine, like a grieving Springfield, where I can <laughs> meet all these people and I can bring them back if I want. Or uh, um, Also, uh, I really loved, I loved the world. I loved writing for that world. Mm. Uh, you, you can't run out of ideas when you're working for a local paper. It's almost yeah. like a soap opera with laughs, mm-hmm. you know, and tears. Well, uh, I, yeah. I have to tell you how much I, I love the the show. I, I ended up binging the whole thing um, sort of during this quarantine time. Um, oh, and I think it's it's really oddly perfect for this moment that we're in. And I can't quite figure out why I feel that way. So I, I wanted to know if you if you feel that way and what, what you think is very fitting about it for, for right now. Um, I think people have been thinking about what really matters in yeah. life recently. They've suddenly, they're calling their family more. They're worried about their family like they they weren't two months ago mm-hmm. you know it's, it's always there but yeah it was an immediate threat yeah it's on the also, surface yeah also it's everywhere we you know th- th- these things have happened before but 
the reason why this is different, and I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime, is because it happened all around the world at the same time. And mm-hmm. we're seeing it on TV. And usually you're seeing terrible things on TV and it's not in your back garden. Right. It's always oh, not terrible, but it's not here. Mm-hmm. And now it is. Yeah, it's very so, different. Yeah. And so people, you walked past for the first few weeks, if you, you went for your walk and you walked past people, everyone was talking about it because mm-hmm. they wanted to know. They wanted, that was the worst thing. We didn't know. Can you get it twice? Can you get it from coughing? Can you get it from letters? Do I leave the letters on the, what does mm-hmm. this event really kill it? Can you, can you get it from your dog? Can you dog, can you touch a dog and then give the dog, <laughs> you know, all these questions mm-hmm. we wanted, you know, and now it's sort of settled down and we sort of, we understand it a little bit better. There's still a certain aspect, to, yeah. you know, it, it turns people into kids where they're going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think people, uh, also, they wanted content, of course, because mm. I think people are sick of watching TV shows made by Zoom. Right? Yeah, so right. the fact that we finished this and it was a lovely high production with dolly shots and lights, mm. and, you know, I think it's also refreshing to see something that isn't about the pandemic because everyone knows it was filmed before mm-hmm. the pandemic. So yeah. that's quite nice. There's no pressure. Um on the the characters to be it's funny though because when i watch tv now um two people are hugging i'm yeah. thinking oh keep keep apart keep apart <laughs> it could be an old movie yeah Someone's got, oh he's gonna catch it now yeah i um, was thinking when the but, when the the mailman comes into your your house uh to use your bath that that scene especially i was like oh no this this can't happen yeah exactly <laughs> yeah just oh, wash your hands um <laughs> so uh yeah, uh, and um, I suppose series three, uh, the, the first question would be, do they ever talk about the pandemic? Mm-hmm. What well, we don't know. We don't know if yeah. people be talking. I'm hoping that it's a it's a distant memory. Um, yeah. So your instinct is to not um, is to not make it part of the the story. I don't think so. I think there's going to be about thirty novels and. <laughs> bad movies and bad series mm-hmm. about a pandemic. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think we need another one. I might th- do a throwaway mention of the, mm-hmm. the lockdown, you know. Uh, but um, no, in the, after the Second World War, a mm-hmm. lot of the footage was shot in colour, actually. And they decolorized it. Uh, so it seemed like a bygone era. So... <laughs> I think people can't wait to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what about, I was curious about your stand-up though, because so you had to cancel um, your tour. Um, you had a big tour planned and that you were, I think you were supposed to shoot a special um, this year, right? Yeah. Well, I was halfway through. I'd done lots. I'd done the, the I, I think the, the week before shutdown, I played to 10,000 people in Stockholm mm-hmm. and, uh, I think the week after I was meant to place 13,000 people in Copenhagen. So those, uh, uh, and yeah, I was uh, at Chicago, Madison Square Garden this week, um, LA next month. Uh, we, we, you you know, you, you I'm postponing, I'm not cancelling it, I'm postponing them as I go along. Mm-hmm. So we're already, it should have ended in November and we're already into February. Mm-hmm. of next year now but we don't even know if it'll be back to normal then and of course 
my gigs will be the last to come back. They're going to open it up 100 seaters, mm. 500 seaters. You know, an arena tour is going to be the last yeah. thing to come back. So have so you thought just, at all about, about how you want that to impact the, the special that you, that you eventually well, put I out? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I've got to make a decision. Uh, you know, hopefully I'll get everyone who bought a ticket into uh, another gig. Uh, um, and I'll have to rework it a little bit. Again, I'm not going to do a special about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some things won't quite make sense. Yeah, if I'm talking about you know whatever, and people people go, why hasn't he mentioned coronavirus? Because that's you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I, again, but it, it, it just be a, it, you, you, I think you do a mention early on, and mm-hmm. you know, because the show was up and running. It was um, it was getting really good. <laughs> it was getting really good. Uh, but you know, it's not like starting again. I'll come back, and it'll be. It, I'll start back at 75% there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a few tweaks, uh, it, it, it'd be a slightly different show and just as good. Uh, where do I film it? I don't know. There might come a time when I think, oh, listen, I'm never going to be able to film this in an arena. So I film in a hundred seater and um, put it out on Netflix and then start again when, you, you know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the people, people get it. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, I've, I've got a pretty good excuse. I've never cancelled a gig, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think people know uh, why. And I say that at the moment, everything's postponed, and we've we've uh, we've found a, a home for every gig that's that's um, that I've missed so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to sort of the origins of Afterlife, um, why did you want to write a show that really centered on grief? Was it something that you? That came from your it own life or that you... It wasn't planned. It wasn't mm-hmm. planned. It sort of happened and evolved. And uh, it, it became a um, an upshot and then a study later. Uh, so this is how it started. So I was on tour with Humanity. Um, it was 2017, around about March. And I'd, I'd, I'd done a month of uh, touring. And I felt guilty that I was only working for 70 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, my days are free. I'm in hotels or whatever. I thought I should write another show. And I don't know why. I, I suppose in humanity, I was talking about, you know, uh, the important things in life and and uh, free speech and all those sort of political correctness, all those things. And it all, it all got jumbled up. And uh, I thought... Um, we can't say we can't say what we want, and sometimes that's for good reason because um, we're culpable for the things we say and and the consequences of those things, and we're worried about the consequences. So the reason why we don't go around saying exactly want what we want to people is that we're worried what they think of us, mm-hmm. or you know. But what and I started thinking, I think, oh, well, what if you didn't care? What if you didn't care? That's because you've got a You've got to live through it tomorrow. But what if there wasn't tomorrow? Um, what if you didn't care about dying? Or, you know, uh, then you could say what you want. You didn't care about consequences. You could do anything. Um, and I thought, well, why would that happen? Oh, I know, yeah. You were going to kill yourself, but you didn't for some reason. Um, and then you think, oh, I've always got that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So that was the sort of seed of the idea. That was the concept. 
imagine if you didn't care about living, uh, you could say anything. Yeah. So it actually and, came from from wanting to be able to or wanting to show someone who, who could say anything versus starting with the grief. The grief almost came second. Yeah. So then I thought, why would he want to kill himself? Oh, because he lost everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, what, what, what's losing everything? Um, oh, your your soulmate, your 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 life partner. You put everything into the relationship, and you didn't want to live anymore without her. And uh, and that was the jumping off point. And and I thought, wow, that's heavy, but I can make it. I can still make it uh, comedic. Um, and why didn't he kill himself? The dog was hungry, and I thought that's funny, and and poignant i think mm-hmm. and that later became a thread that the dog saves his life metaphorically and literally mm-hmm. and that mundane things save your life chores save your life you know mm-hmm. you've got to do stuff yeah um so, so so that was it and then um that's when uh i started thinking about what sort of person he was because i didn't want it to be i didn't want him to just go around being a um, a wise cracker insulting anyone so that that would that would get wearing mm-hmm. and you wouldn't like him you wouldn't you wouldn't like ah oh, but if you felt sorry oh he's wounded oh you know what he's doing he's trying to make himself a psychopath so he won't feel anymore mm-hmm. ah now we're with him now he's a bear with his his paw in a trap and he's lashing out but we want to save the it's not his fault you know so um i created this this reason to like him and if you if you know why someone's doing something and you feel sorry for them um it's almost you're with him and the two reasons we laugh at that even though that's a it starts with a woman who knows she's dying of cancer i mean Mm -hmm. that's not your average sitcom right (laughs) um but but it comes from two places one the staple of uh of comedy and, and in particular sitcom, uh, is an ordinary person trying to do something they're not equipped to do. Mm-hmm. That's what we're laughing at, the blind spot. They want to do something, they can't do it, right? Everything from Bilko to David Brent. Um, so that, that's one way. The other way you're laughing is that we're living vicariously through his candor. We're laughing when he says terrible things to a, a, a little 10-year-old kid <laughs> because we thought that. Yeah. We thought that, and no, no, we can't, because we know it's wrong. But it's funny when someone else does it, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's like it's sort of like justified violence in a way. Um, we know it's wrong, and we know vigilantism is wrong. But in a film, we go, "Yeah, go on, mm-hmm. yeah, go on." I wish, yeah, I wish I could do that. <laughs> so he's like a verbal vigilante. That's mm. that was the whole concept. Be Robbie. Yeah. Can we come here? Listen up, right? I'm an escaped lunatic, and I like murdering little fat kids like you. So if you hit George or anyone else, I'm going to come to your house. I know where you live, and while you're asleep, I'm going to smash your stupid head in with this hammer. Do you understand? I am really interested in this, uh, something that I think you talked about a little bit with when you were on with Seth Meyers, um, which is the evolution or the differences between David Brent, who's sort of the original character that we knew you as, and and Tony, where they both say inappropriate things, but seemingly for totally different reasons, and they're very yeah. different people. 
So how do you how do you view that um, sort well, of differences so, between the two? It's almost like for opposite reasons. David Brent says things because he wants to be popular and loved, mm-hmm. and Tony says things for the opposite. He wants to hurt people's feelings, get away. I don't. I, I want. Um, but what they've got in common is that they both need a hug, and they don't quite know that yet. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. David Brent. David Brent thinks his life would be good if he was famous because he equates that with happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been sold a, a bad, a, a, a terrible bill there. It's, it's just not true. Um, and uh, as I say, Tony uh, wants to punish the world. Do you feel like there is both David Brent and Tony in you, or do you feel like you were more David Brent yeah, when you were younger but not just, and more not Tony just the now? Characters or... I play, all, mm-hmm. all the characters, all the mm-hmm. characters. All the characters in, you know, uh, The Office and uh, uh, Afterlife are uh, different ingredients of you. And if then, even if they're not, um, when you're writing fundamentally a character that is that doesn't agree with you on en- anything, you've got to make their argument as good as yours. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just unfair. They're just foils. So I, I mix it up. You know, I. I um, with every character, I agree with some of the things they do and say, and I don't agree with others. But that's life as well. I, I, I hate it when um, you you just do. When it, it's shorthand. It's a villain. You might as well do a little twirly moustache, and you think, <laughs> well, he's never going to do anything good, right? He's the villain, and this perfect person's never going to do anything bad. That's what most heroes are in sort of you know fiction. Is that they've never done a bad thing in their life. Mm -hmm. and life's not like that coming up Ricky gets into his very strong feelings about political correctness in comedy and why he still stands by his jokes about Caitlyn Jenner at the Golden Globes everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This character that you that you have on the show you know, says whatever he wants and speaks his mind. And and I think for you've really been at the the forefront of this debate over free speech and comedy and what you're allowed to talk about and what you're not allowed to talk about. And I think, you know, society has certainly shifted somewhat over the time that you've been doing comedy, right? Do you, yeah. how do you view that shift? And do you, do you feel like you've evolved at all on those issues or have you maintained? Yeah, of course you've got to think, I mean, you, um, uh, and uh, the problem is you don't know whether you've evolved for the for better or worse because um, you you 
you just you're trying to make people laugh. It shouldn't even be freedom of speech shouldn't even be a political issue. Mm-hmm. Everyone on any side should agree with that. Mm-hmm. That should be it. It's it, it, it's an academic issue. It's 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 odd that it's become politicized and it became tit for tat. Like, you know, the first wave of political correctness, people said, you can't say that. And people went, well, if I can't say that, then you can't do this. Said, well, that's not the point. You know, <laughs> it was, it started off with good intentions, but of course it gets mugged like anything good and used. And, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very odd that, you know, political correctness or, or whatever, uh, wokeness as it's called now, um, it used to be the preserve uh, of um, the sort of uh, middle-aged Christian right, mm-hmm. and now it's it's not. It's like it's freedom of speech. It's really weird because I, 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 if I do a tweet about freedom of speech, um, people go, "Oh, he's alt right now," and I think, yeah. well, when did that happen? <laughs> How did, when did, when did, the, no, mm-hmm. oh, the, the, oh, right, were the ones that were closing down, fascists were closing down free speech. Mm-hmm. We did, it's, but they, everyone's taken their turn, left, right, centre, you know, fascists didn't want free speech, communists didn't want free speech. Uh, uh, basically, people love the idea of free speech until they hear something they don't like. Mm-hmm. That's it. It becomes just selfish. It becomes, what you mean is, People try and justify it as well. They go, I'm all for freedom of speech, but, you know, you sh- that, that's the one thing you shouldn't joke about. Oh, you mean the one thing that you care about? I've seen it. I've seen it in my gigs. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, do, I do jokes about every awful atrocity in the world and people laugh at 19 of them and they don't laugh at the 20th because that <laughs> happened to them. And yeah. that's human nature. But you've got to admit that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I talk about it in my... Uh, humanity show where i did a, a routine about um uh, uh food allergies on jimmy fallon mm-hmm. and i got this woman complaining saying our oh, child got fatal food allergy. you should never joke about food allergies and i ignored it for a while and then i said um i make jokes about aids famine cancer and the holocaust and you're telling me i shouldn't joke about food allergies and she came back with yes but the holocaust didn't kill children so and that's again that's that's very that's a very usual uh, trait because people mm-hmm. go because i've got it it's the worst thing in the world mm-hmm. you don't i know about this and it's worse than everything else again that's sort of like a, a very common trait now in society that everyone thinks their thing is more important and worse than yours mm-hmm. um and the other thing is they see the irony in everything else. When I do a joke about famine, they know I don't mean it. Or cancer, they know I don't mean it. Or AIDS, they know I mean it. But when I do a joke about their thing, they go, well, he does, mine's, mine's misunderstood. He mm-hmm. might mean it with me because they can't see the wood for the trees because it's, a, it's an emotive reaction. And, and comedy is an intellectual pursuit. And uh, it annoys me when people think that a joke is a window to the comedian's true soul. Nothing right. can be further from the truth. I'll, tra- I'll flip a joke. I'll pretend to be something I'm not if it makes the joke better. Mm-hmm. I'll pretend to be right wing, left wing, no wing. It depends on the joke. And so 
you shouldn't be able to second guess. Uh, the, the, the comedian's true feelings and uh, shouldn't come into a joke because it's a it's a magic trick a joke mm. it should stand up by itself which it, anyone should tell it and it shouldn't matter who tells it that joke yeah. should work that's what I thought was so funny about after the the Golden Globes this most recent one when you kind of went after Hollywood which is what you do at the Golden Globes you got yeah. some praise on Fox News uh, people saying oh look he's going after Hollywood isn't that great um, yeah what's but- weird about that is it was actually the left on social media that once again said, oh, he's, he's all right now. Mm-hmm. And even on Fox News, they said, well, no, Rick is left wing. Mm-hmm. We know he's left wing. He, they said, he hates us. He hates Trump. Even, even the right was saying <laughs> they know I'm left. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so it's so odd. It's people... People pretend they don't like a joke, right? Mm-hmm. For, for some reason. But do you know what? They just don't like the joke at having the target that they defend. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's the bottom line. They can pretend, to go, but, you know, they, they do a new one now. They don't go, oh, I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm just bored. Or it's lazy. Or mm-hmm. anyone can just say that. Or anyone can do Well, no, you mean you just don't like the joke. You mm. liked it when I made the joke about the thing you don't like, but you <laughs> didn't like it when I made the joke about the thing you do like. Just yeah. admit it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't care if people like all the jokes, but but don't pretend you've weighed it up and you're mm. being the fair one. You just don't like that joke, and that's yeah. fine. That's that's fine. I think for for whatever reason, obviously, you've made jokes about so many things over the course of your comedy. The the Caitlyn Jenner stuff is the thing that I think got you in the most quote-unquote trouble, you know, with, Again, with people who are upset. that's exactly right. Because people, most offence comes from people mistake the subject of a joke with the actual target. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily the same. Um, I, I've, I've had it throughout, throughout my career. Um, so there, the, the, you know, the, he's making fun of a, a, a trans person, therefore he's transphobic, which is very odd. That would suggest that you can never make fun of a trans person for any reason, even mm. if it had nothing to do with their transness. I've changed. Not as much as Bruce Jenner. What a year she's had. She became a role model for trans people everywhere, showing great bravery in breaking down barriers and destroying stereotypes. She didn't do a lot for women drivers. It's so odd. It's such an odd thing to do. I remember um, there was one joke at the Golden Globes I did. Uh, I said um, the award for special effects should go for the team who airbrushed the poster for Sex in the City 2. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I said, we know how old you are, girls. I saw one of you in an episode of Bonanza. And Kim Cattrall said in an interview, that was ageist. Mm-hmm. And I pointed out, no, it's the opposite. I'm saying, why are we airbrushing? What's mm-hmm. up with being 50? Why are we airbrushing women? Because they're it's it's yeah. nonsense. That the, the target was the the fakery. Yeah. That was the target of the joke. Hollywood fakery. And after this one, um again on Twitter said, Oh, uh Ricky Gervais is right wing now. I went, what can be less right wing than going after the biggest, richest corporations in the world? <laughs> When was that considered right-wing? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so odd. Again, they try and... They don't like a joke, so they they uh, they create their narrative. 
uh, and they, they don't see how ridiculous they sound. I did think it was interesting that you put a very kind of nuanced conversation about uh, transgender people in afterlife between your character and the and the photographer. Was that yeah. at all a a comment or or a reference to to those controversies that you've dealt with? Um, no, I'd have I'd have done. You know, if, if you look at all the stories, I've done like I don't know twelve stories. Mm. They're all. They're all like that. It's just that people go, this one's a hot potato. Mm -hmm. This is, it's like they've created a dogma around it. That that should never be joked. But why shouldn't it be joked about? It depends on the joke. That's absurd. But I've seen it with so many issues. People saying, um, we want to be treated the same as everyone else, Mm -hmm. but not in jokes. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I want to go, well, no, that's that's asking for privilege that's not asking for equality Mm -hmm. if you joke about everything you joke about everything and there is a new dogma you know dogma used to be confined to religion and other cults but now it's it's coming to identity politics and and everything there's a dogma in everything people want to they want to shut you down they put phobic on the end of a word and what that means is shut up shut Mm -hmm. up that's all that means. It's, it's, it's not just because someone accuses you of something. It doesn't mean that it's true. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time, just lazy things under it. Racist. Well, no, that's, no, that's not right. Sexist. No, it's not sexist. I'm talking about... But, and they, 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 uh, they, they think that it means something. And what it means is they want you to shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to do now before we, before we get to the end here is... Uh, go through a few of your credits that we didn't get to talk about from earlier in your career and see if there's a, a story or memory that kind of pops to mind. Um, so we, we touched on The Office a little bit, but uh, Extras is another, just one of my uh, favorite things that you've done. And I'm wondering, when you look back on that show, is there a maybe a, a, a one of the celebrity cameos or, or something that happened during that show that really that is really memorable I remember for you? The first one that sprang to mind, um, obviously, is co-writing a song with David Bowie who had been my hero uh, forever and um, uh, I sent him the lyrics Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, I called him up and I said uh, did you get the the lyrics he went yeah I went "Um, can you do some a bit retro like Life on Mars and he Mm -hmm. went oh yeah I'll just knock off a quick fucking life on Mars for you. <laughs> That's how insulting. That was seen this opus. You know, one of the most amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just, just give it a little life on written. Mars. And I wanted to do another one for my little <laughs> Um And uh, he came through. That was quite a magical uh, day. And then his assistant was there on the day. And she went, oh, we've got to think of a title for PRS. And um, we came up with uh, uh, Pug Nosed Face. Hi. Hi, hi. I was just saying that um, I'm an entertainer too. Oh, yeah? Um, what do you do? I'm in a sitcom. It's called When the Whistle Blows. Mm. Have you seen it? I haven't, no. Is it any good? No, it's shit. Oh, just riffraff everywhere. Not going down too well, huh? It's getting six million viewers. I mean, it's, it's not exactly how I meant it to be because the BBC have interfered and sort of chased ratings and made it the lowest common denominator sort of comedy, sort of catchphrases and wigs and... I, I think I've sold out, to be honest, but... Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it, when you, to keep your integrity when you're going for that first... Little thing. fat man who sold his soul. The little... Little fat man who sold his dream. Chubby little loser. 
chubby little loser, national joke. No, not, not chubby little loser. No. <laughs> Pathetic little fat man, no one's bloody laughing. The clown that no one laughs at, they all just wish he'd die. And then, uh, to return the favour for him being in extras, uh, which I think was his last acting role, mm -hmm. he invited me to play um, Madison Square Garden, which I think was my first New York gig, to help him. Uh, it was the festival to raise money for the High Line. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and he said, it's a, a charity gig and we sell tickets. And I went, okay. I went, and I thought of it would be like, you know, this is a charity gig. I was so naive. I just thought it'd be like, all these posh people in sort of tuxedos, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's just it's ordinary people buying tickets. And and I said, have they seen my stuff? Can I just do my normal stuff? And he said, as long as it's um, uh, wonderfully uh, tasteless, <laughs> which I thought was which was funny. That's and great. then, as a surprise, he introduced me onto stage. He came out in a tuxedo. And the crowd went mental because they didn't know it was going to be there. Mm. And he had a little harmonica and he just went, mm, chubby little fat man. <laughs> and he sang the song. And they had the crowd, see his pug nose face. <laughs> and, and then he signed the harmonica and he gave it to me and I've still got it. That's so, great. yeah, that's, that's, that's easily one of the most mm. magic moments from extras. I'd love to hear about your experience uh, working on Curb Your Enthusiasm with, with Larry David, because I think there's some interesting parallels between your work and his and, and sort yeah. of that, that wanting, being able to say whatever's on your mind and almost, you know, between Tony great. and Larry it David. It was really great. Um, I've, I've done two things like that that was, uh, um, that was uh, you know, predominantly improv. Well, I mm. did um, a Christopher Guest movie where mm, he just does yeah. two takes and he just says... Um, here you're trying to get him to change the name of the film go right mm -hmm. so that was it uh and then curb but curb was slightly different because it's a lot more procedural than that because obviously larry wants to build up to something that he's got to do uh, mm -hmm. so within the within the little arguments it, it's there's uh there's there's tinier there's tinier tram lines to get to somewhere he needs to get whereas Chris is freer and then he finds the film even though he still writes a screenplay um Larry's is a bit more procedural and obviously the big difference was I was playing a, a twisted version of myself mm -hmm. um but uh I remember it well as well it was the the hottest I've ever been in New York <laughs> in the heat yeah. wave it was 104 oh my god some of the days and I just thought I I'm melting. I just, I'm <laughs> melting. And he was laughing because we were both complaining. Yeah. It was me and him complaining in real life about everything. <laughs> and then we'd make each other laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Must have been fun, though, despite the heat. It was great. It was brilliant. Um, yeah. There was this... Uh, this HBO special that you did that, that got some attention a couple years ago that was you, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, and Louis C.K. And I'm talking, I'm funny. talking yeah. funny. Um, and I don't know, I, I hadn't heard you talk at all about this, but when that, there was a clip that resurfaced that was all about 
the N word and the debate over yeah. that. And and did you, how did you kind of feel when that got brought back up? Um, it mostly well, concerned Louis C.K. Um, I it's think gonna, you it's were sort of part you've of it. Make, you, you know, you've got to make things bulletproof now for ten years time, which is nonsense. You know, I saw John Wayne got cancelled forty years after <laughs> his death yeah. last year because he wasn't woke enough in an mm-hmm. interview for Playboy magazine. <laughs> yeah. So you know, th- there's that, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the one thing that came out of it, and we're, obviously we're discussing the word as a, it's the difference between when we say um, you use the N word. Well, we didn't right. use the N word. Mm-hmm. But that's like saying, uh, saying the, the saying hammer isn't using a hammer. Mm-hmm. It's we can discuss. We were discussing the word, right? Well, but the thing that came out of it was that on Twitter, Chris Rock got all the flack. Yeah, he got all the hate because um, he allowed. Right. Three, and I was thinking, well, <laughs> that's a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of, of all the people in the room yeah and then uh the last one that i just want to touch we, we touched on the golden globes but obviously that's been a, a huge part of your uh comedy career as well at this point you've done it what five times um hosting yeah. the golden globes and what is there um i'm always kind of curious after these things happen do you hear from the people that you made jokes about are there any interesting stories no, of people I've kind never, of coming to I've you never, and, i've never got any Blow back. Um, I've heard. I've heard that so and so, or he didn't take it very well, or the look on his face, or that upset mm. him, or you know. And I, and I never want to upset anyone. Um, uh, and uh, um, you know, I, I think people fall for the marketing a little bit, like because I'm out there pretending to not care, and there's a poster with you know too hot to handle, <laughs> and I go out there yeah. with a beer. He's drunk. He doesn't care. Um, well, I've. You know, I've practiced those jokes in the mirror. I've made sure they're, but mm-hmm. they've been lawyered. I know I've never had a complaint upheld. They're not breaking any broadcast laws. How bad can they be? They're not libeling anyone. A, I mean, wow. Um, it's also, it's not a room full of wounded soldiers. These are the most privileged people <laughs> on the planet. I yeah. can tease them a bit about their public behavior, you know? Um, so, like everything we've talked about with offense so far, in this mm-hmm. interview alone, right? Mm-hmm. It comes down to this. Ten years ago, if someone said, oh, there's been a complaint, uh, you'd go, what is it? You go, it's by this. And you go, you'd look into it. You'd go, what mm-hmm. were they complaining about? I'd go, okay, maybe I could do Okay. Now, if someone says someone's complained, you go, what do you mean only what? I, 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 I hope a thousand <laughs> people complained and I'm not going to look into it. Yeah. Because it means nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. It means nothing. Um, again, 10 years ago, if you wanted to complain about someone on TV, uh, you got a pen and paper and went, dear BBC, I'd like to, oh, I can't be bothered. Now you fire off a tweet and that tweet gets on the fucking news. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. People, it's just clickbait. It's shit. This headline that I hear uh, uh, on even reputable newspapers, they do it now. They say, so-and-so said a thing and people are furious. No, <laughs> no one's furious. Not point one percent of people are furious, right? Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't even have heard about it if you hadn't even printed it. So yeah. it, it's bullshit. It's fake outrage. No mm-hmm. one's outraged. No one's annoyed. No one cares. It goes away and comes back. If you ignore it, it's it's virtual. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Just just I mean, really, it, it's it's not even worth worrying about. 
Do you have a joke from the Golden Globes that's sort of your your favorite or one that you are most proud of? Uh, well, one of the early ones, which one of the first ones I wrote when I found out I was introducing him, uh, and it was very current at the time, was uh, I like a drink as much as the next man, unless the next man is Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, uh, that's a and classic. And then on this year's, I think one of my favorite was um, because of the time and because of the hysteria the social media and the wokeness. Uh, I thought my my favourite was um, we were going to have an in-memoriam this year. We were going to do an in-memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just, no. It was mostly white people. And I thought, nah, not on my watch. So, maybe next year. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> that's great um this has been so fun i heard i heard somewhere you say that you were thinking about doing another uh podcast or bringing your podcast back is that uh is there any truth to that well i went from the um the only person doing a podcast to the only person not doing a podcast <laughs> yeah that, so was, a good, that was a good thought... trick you pulled off <laughs> yeah yeah from one extreme to another so uh, yeah, I think it would be nice, and it, it really it suits it suits my lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. just pottering around like this. So uh, yeah, I, I probably will. Mm-hmm. I think that's how I'll end up. Yeah, I think I'll end, end up, up in a little room alone at home doing a podcast. Exactly. The way we end every episode is I ask uh, comedians who is a another comedian who has made you laugh the hardest in your life. Um, could be someone that you've worked with on a set or backstage or on stage or, or anything oh in my I, I, my the first now i thought for stand-up um oh i thought louis ck mm-hmm. at his peak was i just thought yeah. well that's that's yeah and that's not tainted for you now well I, anyway I haven't, I haven't seen his new stuff mm-hmm. obviously um yeah but uh uh no, if I, if I looked at his old routines, I, I, I you know, that, mm. it's like, it, it, it's odd, really, that, you know, people are, people are not playing Smith's records anymore because he's gone a bit old, right? I go, mm. not in the song, he hasn't. Yeah, that song, song still has, works. That song is yeah. not touched by mm. anything. It's really, it's really odd. It's, it, it's odd for me, you know. Um, mm. uh, uh, Oh God, Laurel and Hardy. I think my first. Mm-hmm. When I just, I just still see clips, and I just still, just two grown men, just being silly. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, who? Um, Will Arnett. When I meet up with Will, he just mm-hmm. makes me laugh all the time. Yeah, like he's he's a machine. He's a machine of wanting to make you laugh, and and uh, and and you know. I've always I've always liked making people laugh, but I've never minded if someone else was making me laugh. As mm-hmm. long as I'm laughing, yeah, I laugh at the things I say or anyone else. <laughs> I just like laughing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a that's a great way to end. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we got to do it from across the world. I feel like the the pandemic like allowed this to happen in some way because uh, you wouldn't have been here and I wouldn't have been there, but. Um, I've, I think I've done more publicity for this than ever before <laughs> because I don't have to get dressed. I don't yeah. have to go anywhere. It's wonderful. I just have to talk. 
in my house. <laughs> well, you're good at talking, so uh, so thank you. Thank for you very much. It. That was a um, that was that was definitely a backside uh, handed compliment. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Great Cut to uh, great to talk Cut to you. Cut it down to a tight six minutes. Make okay. me look articular and not too verbose. Okay. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Bye. Cheers. See you later. Okay, we didn't get it down to six minutes, but I want to thank Ricky Gervais again for being such a great talker on today's show. The first two seasons of Afterlife are streaming now on Netflix. If you haven't checked it out, it really is a perfect quarantine watch. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can catch a glimpse of Ricky's office, among other photos and videos from this show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Red Rock Music. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.